I'd like to welcome creative director, photographer, and director Miriam Santos to the podcast. As you will hear, Miriam has worked with many of the biggest names in music and entertainment. She's not only an extraordinary person, but an extraordinary and insightful talent. You can see her work at miriamsantos.com, M-Y-R-I-A-M-S-A-N-T-O-S.com, or at MaskLab on Instagram. Miriam, welcome to the podcast. Can you give me that really like cool, deep, have a bit of a cold voice? Sure. Hey, Miriam. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. So glad Thank to have you here. Thank you. It's nice to have a, a celebrity of yours standing. <laughs> Let's just say you've had an extraordinary career. I've had fun. We both have had fun. We have had fun. It's been a great ride. It really has. We've been lucky. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I, yeah. It feels like we've just been so, so incredibly lucky. I don't know how it's happened, yeah. but so insanely grateful for it. Yeah. Same. Daily. A lot of hard work, I think. We talked a little bit the other day, and we'll talk about it today, but attention to detail, willing to go the extra mile. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's all or nothing. It really is. And I find that with the people that I work with, too, they're like that from an actor to musician, whatever kind of artist, but it's the same thing. Like I always laugh because whenever I work with Tommy Lee, his saying is always, if you're going to do it, overdo it. That's great. And I'm like, you know, that's so simple and true. It's exactly it. Once you're in it, that's it. That is it. Once you step yeah. in, yeah, it has to be all the way. Yeah. And then more than anyone else will do on some level. Yeah, you've got, yeah. I mean, you've got the job, which is great, but not only are you trying to keep it, let them know why you got it, but also get the next one. And plus, it's your name on it. At the end of the day, is their face, but it's you too. You're right in that shot with them. Oh, yeah. You told me when we spoke the other day about a job that you got in a swimming pool. It wasn't. I wish it was a swimming pool. It was a swamp. A swamp. Look, I'm always eager to get into a swimming pool. A swamp for, you know, 14 hours during the nighttime. It's, it's different than a flamingo in a swimming pool. Can you tell me a little bit about it or tell the listeners? Yeah, it was for the campaign for Love Has No Labels. And David Nutter was directing the public service announcement spot commercial. And I was doing the photography for it. And I was supposed to go and shoot on a green screen, which is, you know, super easy. But I've actually never shot on a green screen. So I, I think it's super it easy. Seems it seems super like easy. It was, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know. In my mind, it was going to be super easy. We go there, we shoot there, we're going to drop in this like water and rain. And that's the amazing thing that um, Tom Fennessy, my producer, was working on, again, with David Nutter, incredible director. And we were going to have the ad campaign, the poster, everything match the commercial. So it's going to be water coming down on these different people and make them feel like they were like in water in the swamp. It was sort of like this rescue thing happening. But as I'm there and the green screen is already set up for me, literally, I'm just showing up, shooting and getting out. I have the easiest job in the world in this whole production where everybody's working their asses off. But you get there and there is a swamp and there's a rain machine and there's all these things. So like, why are we doing this on the green screen? It's like, oh, so you can, you know, we, we want to make it easy. We come in and out. Well, it's like, let's just get in the fucking swamp. So a two-day, easy, quick couple-hour shoot turned into three overnight <laughs> long shoots <laughs> with my assistant looking at me like wearing the rubber, you know, the pants I didn't know existed <laughs> up to your chest, which I didn't understand compressed insanely when you get into the water because it keeps the water out. So basically, they feel really big, and then you get into this rubber pant leg boot contraption thing. And I'll send you a picture I later because you're going to love this. Yeah. And it just constricts you like it 
crunches your toes, you're, you know, you're in it. And everybody would come in for a minute, you know, all the different actors and everybody would come in the swamp, which again, they were confused. Why are we in the swamp? And there's a green screen <laughs> two feet away. <laughs> Beautiful. And then of course, well, Miriam thought that it would be better. Like, oh, <laughs> Miriam should have kept her mouth shut. Miriam should have. You got it. Props to everybody for getting in though. Of course. I mean, listen, you were on that set. They were already all jumping in the water and had this whole thing, but they thought going to do the shoot would be a little break. They were wrong. And for those who don't know, David Nutter is? Uh, he's an amazing director. He's directed Game of Thrones. I mean, they should definitely look him up. He's just a brilliant director. And so he was doing this because, again, it's, it's his public service announcement. It's Love Has No Labels. They do one every year. And then it won the poster and everything just was nominated and won all these like advertising awards. So it all paid off. That's great. And it served yeah. a great purpose. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So... When we met, your admiration for David Bowie was always part of the conversation. And at one point, you and I went what to see... What do you mean, was? Well, <laughs> and continues to be. Continues to be. <laughs> and Let's just be clear. Okay. And it's so true. We went to see David at a small concert, I think at the Palladium in LA, you and I. It was a small venue. It was my first time in New York. It was in New York. That was it. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't the Palladium. It was my first time in New York. And um, yeah, I don't remember what... Oh, Radio City Music Hall. No, no, no. No, it was no? a super small venue. Really small yeah, I venue. Because I remember he did one number and you were like, oh my God, that was Ziggy Stardust. Like He did Ziggy in the middle of a number. We were standing... It Wait, was is a... this the GQ Man of the Year Award that we went to? No, I was going to get to that next... No, this was a really small box, uh, wood floor, small stage... Oh, it could have been. It could have been in Hollywood then. I think so. I think there were like 100, 150 people there, Max. Yes. Yes, I remember. And then we Ish. went. Yeah, and then we went to the GQ Man of the Year Awards with Mary. Which and, was my. No, 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 Laura. Oh, Laura. Oh, I thought yes. it was Mary. And we scored no, a security, which makes sense because we scored you a security pass, and that would be Laura, yes. not Mary. Yeah, that would be Laura, exactly. And you tried to meet David Bowie at the venue. To go backstage, well, but Miss, I thought it was a good. I, well, no, I thought it was a good idea once Laura got that pass, which was just like she's like, "Hey, look what I got you!" I was like, yeah. "Wow, thank you." <laughs> and I was full blown into trying to do that. And I, I, if I recall, maybe it's just me trying to make me feel better. But in my mind, and I've done this on other occasions with other people. In my mind, I thought this is not the way. Well, you went to. I remember the story. You went we, backstage. We went close to it. Yeah, we went close to it. And you took, no, you took the pass and actually went backstage. Yeah, yeah, I, took, backstage. I tried. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he and Charlize Theron went into the backstage party. Oh, wow. I don't remember that and part. Because you weren't I able to get in. My because, little obsession with my future wife is right there. Because your security pass <laughs> didn't allow you into the VIP room. Wow. In my mind, I came out so much better than this. <laughs> I admired the effort, man. We were all on board. And we because thought we Laura might. and Laura. Was amazing that she did that. She's yeah. like, "Oh look, I got," him. and I was like, "How?" She's like, "This guy was just being a douchebag, so I took his pass." <laughs> wow. <laughs> we were standing like six inches from his chest. We were we were right at the front of the stage. Yeah, that part I remember because it was the first my first weekend in New York, and it was I think my first day in New York. It rained. We had or my first full day in New York. You warned me about this, but I didn't know enough then that it's difficult to get around. I, you thought I had too many meetings planned or something. I'm like, no, I could do this all the time. I got this. And you just gave me that look. 
And so by the time we got to the concert, we were running like crazy. We've been rained on. I've had meetings and stress. My first trip, everything. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And we were in the very front of that. And it was televised. And I remember when I got back home, my friend's like, oh, yeah, I saw you. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right. You saw me in my element. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at first I was going to be like, well, and, and give them all the reasons why that wasn't me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's me. Yeah. Deep down. A hundred percent full blown. Not even that deep down. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is part of what makes you great at what you do. But you ended up meeting David. Yeah, we ended up working together a lot. How did you meet? A lot. Long story, short story, medium story. Medium story, yeah. Whatever you want to. Um, it was right in the beginning when chat rooms were happening on the internet. And I was a, the only chat room I was in was that one, which I don't know how I, it, it wasn't really my deal. But once I was in that chat room, I really was in it. I, I loved it. I had a great time in it. And he would come in all the time. It was sort of the beginning of all that. And like nightly, he would come in for hours. And there would be like 10 of us in the beginning and just chatting. And then it'd be like, probably not him, but then he would do something publicly to confirm it or do something. You know what I mean? Like, so, right. and then we would talk and talk and then we would DM on the side a little bit, which I'm sure he was doing with a lot of different people. It'd be very complimentary of my work, but it was always a very much a fan thing for me at that point. And then, you know, I was working with Ms. Schneider, publicist a lot, and some of his other artists, Perry Farrell and different people. And I've worked with him often. And there was a magazine that called me to see if I wanted to shoot Bowie for the magazine. It's like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, I didn't even wait to see when or where. It's like, yes, whatever <laughs> it is, I, I, it, it will work. It doesn't matter what's going on. And then they call back. It's like, oh, you know, they decided they'd rather not do the shoot. David wants to do. And he'll send us an exclusive image. So we're still doing the article. But just so you know, he's, they're just saying it's an exclusive image. He doesn't really have time to do a shoot right now. And then a photo editor calls back and says, this is kind of weird. I was talking to his publicist at MSO and he said that he was talking with David or Mr. Bowie, whatever he said, and, and said that Mitch was telling him like, oh, it's too bad you're not doing the shoot. There's this woman I've really been wanting to work with. Her name is Miriam. He's, and then David's like, Miriam Santos. And Mitch was like, <laughs> yes. He's like, oh, let's do the shoot then, but we have to, have to be really quick. So we did the shoot. Amazing. Yeah. I was an idiot. Couldn't speak. <laughs> He was looking through my portfolio going, oh, I know this one. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. And I just thought, I just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> what is no, literally, I, I just couldn't. I'm like, either I ha I'm going to be able to engage in conversation. That's how I can choose to use my energy. Or I could just focus on doing my job because I couldn't do both with him. I mean, he's the reason I picked up a camera. It was the first time I shot him. The second time and on was fine. And, you know, we made a little fun of that. Yeah, but you yeah, became friends. You did. You no, photographed his no, no, fibro tour. Friends. We well, didn't. I, we became work friends. I wish we. Yeah. I, I know him enough to. I knew him enough to say that we were not. It's not. We were friends. We're not buddies. We never hung out. Just you know. Right. We worked often together, and we were, he was very kind and complimentary. He was very nice to my son, Ethan, whom you know as well. Like super kind to him. Mm -hmm. And I became very good friends with a lot of people in his band, who continue to be like Mike Garson and Gillan Dorsey. I brought Mike Garson on to work with the woman that I'm a creative director with, with Andra Day, and. So Mike's on her new coming album and Galen Dorsey is just, you know, sheer talent. But David and I were work friends. But you photographed his Fibro tour? Yes. Yes. I've done. Yeah, I've done a, a few things with him like that. And we did a book together. We did, the, yeah, the Burroughs tour. We, you know, some magazines and honestly couldn't be happier about it. It was a gift. 
it was a gift. And I look at some of those images, not the magazine stuff or some of the other stuff, but I remember some of those tour images and he gifted me images. Hmm. I saw him give me some images. He knows, you know, he, he knows what works. I mean, he's the one who edited a bunch of our work together and stuff that I had edited out. He edited back in saying, no, this is going to sell. This is going to be good for you. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, but I don't really like it. You know, it's the first one that Rolling Stone picked to run. But I remember there's this one time I'm there. There's no one around. He comes and sits. And he waited for me to come. Then I went behind him and shot him looking on stage because he would always go and sit to see where different people in the audience would see the stage from. And there's the sign, you know, that lights up his name, Bowie. And there's him with a little hat on sitting in front of me from his back. You know, and I love that shot. It's one of my favorite shots. He gifted me that shot. Yeah. So. And he knew. He, he knew. He knew. That's so yeah. amazing. Yeah. Really. And you've worked with any number of people other than David, Willie Nelson, Ozzy Osbourne, Jared Leto, George Clooney, Tommy Lee, of course. And you've photographed an extraordinary range of artists in Albemarle. How did those jobs come about? And what is that creative process like, creating Albemarle for hmm. an artist? I don't really know how the jobs came about. We talked about this the other day, too, that I'm the worst, and I think a lot of artists are, about self-promotion. And I'm always amazed that I get a job, and I'm always thrilled. And once I do, I feel like that's how I get the next job from them. It's very rare that I shoot someone just once, which is great. I don't really know how I got those jobs, to be honest. It's just... Word of mouth, mouth. or do you think, or shooting editorially and then maybe getting Albemarle afterwards, or... No, no, I mean, I would imagine, yeah, I mean, they would know my work at that point, and it would come about. I wish that I was better at sending promotions or going and knocking on doors or even mingling, going to parties. I mean, I had clients trick me into attending parties. A dear friend of mine who's this amazing publicist told me that she was having a baby shower and there was only going to be six people there. And that if I wasn't there, it would be really, really obvious. It was a huge Hollywood party, like just (laughs) enormous. Love it. (laughs) Enormous Hollywood party. So I have people who very much watch out for me and I've been very lucky with that and feel like you treat people well and they just they treat you well back and it's a beautiful thing I mean you know it really is what we do is such an enjoyment it's not heart surgery it's not anything so not don't stress out do what you need to do to make it work work with everyone kindly and hopefully you know you get another chance to do it again yeah no so true so absolutely true so and what is it like to create album art or work with a band is there a similar process is it different it's fun because you're working with artists i realized that i wanted to work with artists artists understand me i understand them it's like we speak the same language we feel the same things and and they get that again it's a picture of them it's a picture of them for their project but it's also you know like i'm in every single shot too we both have to walk away thrilled if i walk away thrilled and they don't that's a big failure on my part and everyone's different tommy lee you would shoot different than Andra Day, who you would shoot different than 30 Seconds to Mars or uh, Gary Clark Jr. And how do you get a feel for that? Is that by knowing their vibe or knowing their music? Talk, it helps. You don't always get to for different reasons. But talking with them, the label will come and tell you what they want. The managers and the publicists will come and tell you what they want. And oftentimes it's exactly what the artist wants. And then you have a conversation with the artist. And usually if it's someone more established, They'll say instantly, let's get everybody off the phone. You know, we'll just talk and figure this out. So you have to find a balance that gets the label, gets exactly what they need. Because they have the music business and the business part of that is definitely there. And they have to be able to market this and, you know, and get it to be heard and seen by everybody. So working with the artist to find something that fits everyone's needs, but is true to them, whether it's who they want to be, who they used to be, who they're becoming or whatever, but something that they're passionate about. Because if you're asking them to trust you 
and trust you completely with the project that they've been working on, usually for years, you know, you have to get to a level where, where everyone's again, walking away happy. Like no one feels like they got screwed or they didn't get what they need, whatever. You got to make sure everyone, everyone gets what they need. Usually my number one priority, not usually my number one priority, which is, does cost me some trouble now and then it's always the artist. Right. It's always the artist. So, well, but you know, it's also your nature with an understanding of what the label and the publicist that they're on the same team. We just may see, sometimes things differently. So trying to find a solution again to make everyone happy and fighting at the same time for what the artist wants. And that's contradictory to itself, but I hope that makes sense. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice that you're part of the conversation. It's, it's difficult. It's a difficult balance. That's where the business part of it comes in, which again, not, <laughs> <laughs> not your favorite part. No, because at the end of the day, I will do all those things, but when it comes down to it, if a decision or a side needs to be picked, there you go. Yeah. You're on the side of the artist. I yeah. respect that. Yeah. And they do too. Yeah. Most of them. Most of the, yeah. Also, you have to realize that if you shoot this whole shoot and the artist doesn't like it, no matter what their level is, they don't have to use it. And then they have to use another shoot. So you can shoot exactly. And again, at this point, the label knows their artist. They're usually, there's usually not that big of an issue. But if the artist isn't happy, they're not going to use it, which means you got to redo all this stuff again. No one wants that. Right. It's so on one hand, you're saving everybody. <laughs> Let's look at it that way. Yeah. I, I think just, I, just the way that I see our first trip to New York. Yes, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Let's run with that. I think it's an excellent explanation. Thank you. <laughs> so you're working, you're shooting, you're working with a number of well-known artists. And then I remember when you decided to become the creative director and photographer for Andre Day. Which Andrew was a Day? shift in, I'm sorry, Andrew Day. Thank it's you for right. the correction. Everyone does and, it. And that was a big shift in your career. Yeah, I've creative director for other people before and for a company before. But to do it at this level for her was totally different. And it just mutated into that organically. Like it just became more and more of that. And I have to say that, that I feel like the influence on me and my work, her and Bowie are are right there. Yeah, like the reason I ever picked up a camera was because of David and the reason I still keep creating is because of Andra. So mm. again, it's hard to not give that much time to her. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and so, you know. When you met though, she wasn't the star that she is now. No, it was before her album came out. It was before her album came out. So, it, so that it was just... a, big, a bigger decision. It would have been easier to step on board with somebody who is where she's at. You've kind of taken that ride together. Yeah, no, and, and again, she, I mean, her music was already done. I was shooting a test shoot and then I was shooting her album packaging, you know, so it's not like her album wasn't about to hit or anything. But yeah, she was, she was, yeah, definitely unknown. And then she has a new album coming out soon as we get through all this, which is just reinforces everything I ever wanted at anything sound and wise, vision wise. It's all there. That's so, incredible. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for everyone to hear that music. Well, what has been the evolution of your careers together as creative director and artist? How has that changed? How has your role changed or evolved? With her and I, or with with her and I, it hasn't. With others, it has. With her and I, since day one, it was always just immense mutual respect. And I think when two artists have that, there's a lot of trust there. And so we had that. I mean, we had it to the point where, and you know me well, I don't yeah. do podcasts. I don't do gallery shows. The only podcast I've done is yours. And I made to do another friend who just asked me as well because I couldn't get out of it. And gallery shows, I've only done uh, three. 
and one was for one of my best friends another one was for a friend that i did in mexico city this huge exhibit and another one was in toronto for a gallery which another friend rob Farina, had me do as well and i knew that the one in toronto in that gallery the one that rob set up he's an amazing guy in the music industry with high heart radio he's just he's fantastic and i knew that there was going to be some press there and everything else i didn't know that about the one in mexico which then and I speak Spanish and I only spoke English because I was too nervous to do that interview. So I had a translator do it, <laughs> talk for me. But Andra came in, flew in from a show to come in and do the press for me because we both knew that if she was there, they would rather talk to her than me. So that's Andra. Yes. yes that's Which is amazing. Yeah. Because she's like, are you going to talk? I'm like, no, of course. I'm like, she's like, you have to. I'm like, you come and talk. She's like, okay. I was kidding. So she flew in and did it. And she actually performed a couple songs there acoustically and took the whole hit for me. That's extraordinary. Yeah, because I, you know, I hide. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Well, what is what is your role as a creative director? Maybe that's a better way to approach it. What is a creative director for an artist entail? Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what my role is with her. I don't, I don't know what other people do. My role with her is that anything visual, anything branding, whether I'm created in it or I hire someone else to create it or whatever it is, you know, runs through me. I work with whoever we're working with and I make sure that Andra's vision is always, and her brand is always protected. Even if Andra and I, which we usually will agree on the vision, but there are times we don't. And I'll make my point and argue it and we'll go back and forth. But then once I leave and I'm representing her, it's it's her vision. 99% of the time we're dead on everything and without even having the conversations, but always just whether it's a small banner for some internet site in Europe or the cover of a magazine or the music video or album package. I mean, from big to small, it doesn't matter. Visuals and brand, which I think is just the best job in the world. It really is. Yeah. You know, direct a couple of videos. We had a couple of moments where she did the the Ben-Hur movie, a uh, closing song. I think it was the closing song. And we were doing Essence. I think, it, yeah. And Paramount Studios needed a video, decided at the last second that it would be great to do a video. But with Andrew's schedule, we had literally three and a half, four hours to do a video. So everyone decided, like, it's just not possible. Andrew and Jeffrey, her manager, said, like, you know, if it's at all possible, maybe her and Miriam could do something when they're in New Orleans already there. So within two days, during Essence, when there's nothing available, we shot the music video in New Orleans. And the same thing happened with the Stand Up for Something. She did a song Stand Up for Something for the movie Marshall as well as Common. And a video was made that just wasn't what Common and Andra wanted. So then I directed, you know, it's like we ran, like we had, again, we had seven hours in New York with Common and Andra and we shot a music video. So <laughs> so every time it's, it's that, stepping in when we think we've got something covered, it falls apart or we're not happy with it or something happens, the artist isn't happy. It's like, okay, let's correct it or let's fix it or let's create. Like hopefully this next round of music videos I direct for her won't be a, oh my God, what happened? We have to go in and let's just do it ourselves situation. Your time with Andra has also allowed you a large number of experiences. You've been at the Grammys, late night TV, following your Instagram. I see you pop up every <laughs> once in a while, sometimes in elevators <laughs> full of the most unexpected people. Yeah. No, that's been, I mean, has honestly, I think with everyone, I mean, especially Andrew, just because it's been so long now, it's been years and years. But with everyone, you, you find yourself in these amazing experiences, besides being able to shoot with people you love and respect and working with artists and, and doing what you just love to the core, whether you're being paid or not. Like I would, this is what I would be. I would just be shooting. You, you know, we're just going to shoot. We're going to create, whether we're directing or photographing or, or anything. But you end up at the bowling alley at the White House when the Obamas are in the office. That's pretty pretty spectacular. That's yeah. pretty amazing. You know, or you end up in a small little room with Bowie singing Beulie Brothers and you're the only one standing there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, or Oprah's house for Sunday gospel brunch. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to complain. It is hard to complain. And those are the moments I think that make our careers extraordinary. They do. I mean, I, I and I got to tell you, I love being in that swamp, though, all night long for three nights, too. Even with mosquitoes everywhere, all of it I love. It's just completely unexpected things. Again, White House, of course, with Obama's bowling alley, 100%. That, you know, that would never happen otherwise. But I love all the moments. Yeah. I really it do. It makes, it makes our, our lives extraordinary in a lot of ways. It's really another gift, all those moments. It is. Because I never knew when we got into this, because you and I did this together. We went to school. We did, you know, I, I never saw that as part of it. I didn't know that existed. And when this starts, little things kept happening. It's like, oh my God, this is once in a lifetime experience, followed by another one, followed by another one. You think, man, I chose right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even chose. I, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had any choice. There was nothing that I'm capable of doing other than this. Well, likewise, which is part of what drives me. There's nothing else I love this much and nothing else that, yeah, that I don't think I could make a living at, really. I mean, yeah. I can teach, no, there's but no that's plan B. No. Thank yeah. goodness. There could be some in the future, but there's definitely been years and, and been highs and lows like crazy. And had I been able to do anything else, I would have had to because I was trying to figure out, you know, I need to make a living. I need to figure out how to pay bills. I need to be able to do all this. And I had no other skills. Luckily. Yeah. yeah, luckily. I agree completely. It forces you to motivate yeah. and evolve. Right. That stubbornness, that South American Leo stubbornness kicks in too. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. No, uh, no. no probably not. I think uh, you've done you've done more video and you've done video for a handful of other artists too, which was another yeah. step in your career. Yeah, it's funny because I used to be asked to do videos back in the day when the music business was huge and video budgets were crazy and I'm kicking myself for not doing it and only not doing it because I was scared I mean there's no other reason other than I didn't think that I could deliver what they needed and so how am I going to say yes I can do this when I wasn't sure and it wasn't that I wasn't slightly sure I was a little scared like I had no fucking clue so like how would I why would I do that to someone and then hanging out with more and more directors and being told and had a couple you know the first one I did my friend said like listen if at any point you're feeling like you can't do this, you give me a call. I'm going to step in and help you, which is great. But I was told the first call is that you call your producer. And as soon as I called my producer, everything's like, what do you want to do? I want to do this, this, and this. I'm seeing this vision. I want this. It's like, great. And as soon as you get everybody in play, it, it seems so doable and so easy. Like it's, it's really such a team effort. You know, they just help execute what you're seeing in your head. Hmm. So is that something you'd like to do more? I have to really love the artists I'm working with to do it, I think. Whether it moves on to a different kind of directing or something, yes. But I think it's so, it's so, yes, with a side note of not exclusively. Right? It has right. to be, right. I have to be passionate about it because I think it shows. You know, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and well, I am getting older, but I think I've always, I mean, I remember turning down a job back in the day when for Entertainment Weekly, they called and they wanted me to, and, you know, at that point, I should have been saying yes to anything. They came my way back in the days of just where magazine ruled and they called and wanted me to photograph someone. And I was super excited. I was asking all, and then halfway through the conversation, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't. And and this is the first time they called me and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, I just don't feel, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do this right because I'm not passionate enough about this project. And I feel like it's going to show. Hmm. And then like dead silence on the end, <laughs> like crickets. So I'm like, there goes my career yeah. that I never had. <laughs> I'm not passionate enough. 
<laughs> and they can't believe what they're hearing. I no, they it. cannot. And she's like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know, and, and, <laughs> and we hang up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, who do A, I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. But then part of me, it's like, I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that I wasn't going to get, I was going to get a shot. That was an okay shot. You know, at that point we've been, we've gone through enough. We right. shot enough stuff, you know. You knew how to get a good shot. We, yeah, we, we didn't get a good yeah. shot. It wasn't going to be a great shot. It wasn't going to be a shot full of passion. It wasn't, you know, and I, and again, I'm back to like, if I'm working with artists, this isn't just a thing for them. They've been working on something for a long time. They deserve someone who's going to be passionate with them in this process. So the next day they called back. And they gave me a bigger job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It. They called back and then she's like, listen, she's like, I've never had anyone say that, but I like, I get it. Like it does show, like if your passion's not in it, it absolutely shows. That was going to be like, I think it was like a little quarter page or something shot that I was going to do for them. And then I ended up doing this feature. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I would have loved to have heard the conversation at the magazine. <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> yeah. First of all, who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And who said what? <laughs> oh, but your passion, I think, is a hallmark of your work. Thanks. Yeah, I Thank think you. it is. It's it's evident. And and I think your love for the art and the artists is evident. And your desire to give them something that you both feel good about. I've, I've always believed that. But when people take a Thank look you, at your Tom. work, I think they'll see that. It is evident. And I think it sets your work apart. There are a number of people who I believe work without that in a certain way, without that same depth. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I mean, I don't know, but I can see how easy it would be because, again, you're trying to make a living from it and things come your way and you're thinking, oh, my God, that's so much money or or I haven't shot anything, I don't care. And you you get stuck on that first conversation, which is always usage and rates and all that. And then you forget to have the creative conversation first and then we can work into the other stuff. Yeah. Which, again, like you're asking with Andrea, going back to that question is that's now with, our whole team before we figure out if it's a sink or if it's anything like instead of figuring out just what the rate is like okay what's the creative behind it is it on brand and then if it gets through the creative department then it goes and they figure out you know so worth doing financially is it a good you know everything else contract wise but if it doesn't pass the first is it on brand are we passionate behind it can we stand behind this decision whether it's a paycheck or not a paycheck and if the answer is no then you know not all money is good money that's well put it's true. It isn't all good money. And I don't think a lot of young artists or even mid-career artists start with a creative conversation. They immediately just think of the job and the money. Yeah. Well, because you can't believe someone's willing to pay you to do what you love to do. It's true. You know, so I, I get it. I do get it, you know? Yeah. I still can't I, believe it. I don't it. Fault it. I, I Yeah. St- <laughs> I mean, really, I'm thankful every time somebody calls and it's something I want to do and it works out. It's a beautiful thing. I know. It really is. And again, I keep going like going back to Bowie. I remember the conversation once was we were shooting at some little rehearsal, not for a show. Like they were rehearsing in his little space in Chelsea. I was getting paid so much money for that. I thought I would pay the same amount to be here. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> I obviously didn't tell anyone and didn't negotiate lower. Like you know, we you know we did that because again, even even for him, like. No, like it's still, you know. Well, you can't on some you can't. level. There's a respect for that too. Right. But I was thinking like if someone back at our center said, you know, would you give so many whatever money to be in the small room with David and, you know, or be able to call him David, first of all, 
yeah. and and shoot. Be like, yes, yeah, sell the house, oh. sell whatever. <laughs> you know, people might not believe that, but that is completely true. Yeah, <laughs> you would have. I would have. You know, yeah. I would have. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have because when it came down to it, I wouldn't have. But you know, when you think about it, at the end of the day, but as right. much as my love for his art, I had a love and respect for myself and my art. And, and again, it's. Imperative. Yeah, and it's like I, you know, it has to be a certain way, and and you know, and he did too, which is great. I'm not trying to say he didn't. I'm just saying that you have to sort of stand up for yourself at some point. And but I get it when you have to pay bills and someone's willing to give you a job instead of making a cup of coffee. Like you know, it's a hard no. Yes, it is. Yes, it it's is. A hard no. Yeah, and a changing business. Yeah. I think there are more opportunities to be creative on in a number of channels, but. Uh, you monetize it in a different way. So young artists have a little different challenge. So speaking of that, how have you evolved personally and professionally over the course of your career? Okay, so people would disagree with this, but I feel like I'm less stubborn and open to more things that, um, you know, even with the directing, enjoying it and open to more ideas and and just being like, oh, that's not for me, like, but if I can get behind it, like if I really stop and look at it, it's like, is it for me or is it not for me? Is it something that I'm curious about or want to try? Yes. Like advertisement before, it wasn't really anything I wanted as much. The paycheck again, yes. But, you know, like I just didn't think I could get behind it. Where now it's like, you can make it into your own. Like I can make this work and then the right clients and everything and, and having those creative conversations and being on that. If you're in sort of the beginning conversations of the creative, it helps. So I, I feel like I've, I've been more open to things. But yeah, I'm trying to put this into words. But then I, there's a part of me like that, you know, there's that 50%. It's like, I'm exactly the same way. I'm this artist who I know what I like and I want to be able to do this. And so maybe I'm open to different experiences, but that course there, maybe we should start this conversation over because that didn't make any sense. Because <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess the work has changed. I guess, I don't know. That's a really difficult question. Who you are as an artist is the same, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the the work changes. You grow as an artist, you mutate as a human being, not just an artist. I mean, I'm not the same woman I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But I still feel that foundation of me is there. And and again, and I guess I'm having a hard time describing that because I am changing as a woman, I am changing as an artist. But like you and I always talk about, it's there's no difference between personal and business life. So when you're asked how I changed as an artist, you're asking me how have I changed as a human being. So true. Which is like my experiences have changed me, but it's not like I had some, you know, it's not like I was some other human being at all. My my core is there, like you said, and hopefully I've grown and I've gotten better and learned some things and put in my ten thousand plus hours. Yes. But you know, I and but just this doing this whole see at home thing, I thought, you know, this is a chance for me to brush up on some things. Like things have changed, and I, I thought, okay, maybe I can do some courses. Maybe I can start learning different things and. You know, that's what I did yesterday. I was just going through and figure out what classes do I want to take? What things do I feel like I'm weak in that I can alter? Or, or maybe that I think that I'm so good at one thing that has changed and maybe I'm missing out this whole other part. So that is my plan for the next couple of weeks is review and see where I can get stronger. Which is part of your personality, but I think also a big part of being successful that a lot of people don't understand. Despite the yeah. work you're doing. You're aware that outside of your bubble, and it's a bubble of sorts because you're working intensely, there are things going on and it's good mm -hmm. to take this time and familiarize yourself with what's happening. It keeps you fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And also knowing, you know, and also knowing when a job is not right for you. 
like I know what I don't know. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do know like just mean. also like I know when I'm not playing well with others, not to go out and hang out with friends. I'm just not playing well with others. I should keep to myself tonight. I do the same. Yes. Yeah. And I think that has to translate to your work. If you know you're not the right person for this job, you're better off just saying no because again, the other person has been working on something for years. And you don't want to mess that up. Yeah. Not mess it and up, but the- you don't want to not give it your best. Yeah, or just, you know, like there's, I, I don't know. And this is a bad example, but I'm just at a basic level. And I'm not going to name names on it, but I was up to do this huge music video. I kept missing the deadline because I was traveling for work. Kept missing, they kept coming back. And I kept thinking, I'm so not this artist's choice. Like, you know, like I think they just need filler. So I didn't really bring it any mind. And they kept asking and kept asking for the treatment. I'm like, I asked my producer, like, are they serious? Like, they're waiting on your treatment. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So I, I gave the treatment. I left again for another country, was sort of out of email and no cell phone. It was just an intense time of work. And then I got back and it's like, oh, well, you got the job, but she can't do it right now because we missed the deadline when she was actually free because we were waiting on your treatment. It turns out that in that time, the concept changed. They decided they wanted to do this whole animation thing on a green screen, Oh, which I can't do. It's not just, yeah. I mean, not only, it's not something I just... I can't do it's not that it's not my style it's not within my abilities to do it so I'm not going to like talk my way through that you know right and step up to that no exactly which was a huge bummer because I would have killed to have done that (laughs) anything with this artist there's no it's just knowing what you you don't know no it's true and you can destroy your career by making those choices as well yeah yeah and also you're seeing yeah exactly it is a career choice because you're not just letting down this one video, this one shooter, album cover, magazine cover. You're not only just laying down this artist who also won't hire you again, but now it's the management company. It's also the label. It's also, or the advertising, whoever. There's multiple things that now it is, it could spread. And it's not because anything other than you just wanted to cash in or you just wanted that credit. Yeah, or you thought you could wing it. Yeah, and there's some things, I mean, there's, yeah, there's some things that you feel like, okay, I may not know this, but I know this, and I can do this, I can work extra hard, and, you know, like, my first album cover, I felt like I was winging it. But we weren't, because we sure. worked our asses off for years learning how to do that, you know? Yeah, no, I would say I've had jobs like that, too, that were bigger than anything I'd done before, but I'd worked so mm-hmm. hard, and my skill set was there. Right. It was just I'd never applied it in that way. Right, there is a difference. Yeah, and I talked to everybody I knew Right. Who could give me insight and made it made it work. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, same thing with the directing the videos. Again, I talked to so many different producers, so many different directors. I explained what I wanted to do. And they just, and honestly, they just broke it down like into like, you make this call, then they make all those other calls and you build your relationships. And then, and they were right. It, it wasn't as different as I thought it was going to be. And it's been fun. It's been some really fun videos. I haven't focused too much on it, but they just appeared out of nowhere. There's been some really epic artist yeah you're lucky so what is one thing you've learned along the way oh god i hate you (laughs) (laughs) i know i know (laughs) um wow that's a hard one that's a hard one i guess just trust yourself when you're seeing something and you have an idea trust yourself to do it okay and what is the personal characteristic you most attribute your success to the personal characteristic Okay, you may laugh at this because you know that I'm not a people person, but I feel like one-on-one when I get together, when it's just artist to artist talking, like I actually hear them and I actually see them. And I think that changes everything because it's not just 
saying you hear them or whatever. It's like, I see them. And one last question. What advice would you give to somebody who has the desire to step out on a new career path and who would like to create a career based on the things they love and believe in? Work your ass off to do it. Get a crappy job. If we talk about photography, let's, you know, because that's, let's just talk about photography or directing or creative directing or, or what have you. But let's make it simple about photography. Nothing wrong with taking some crappy job. Coffee house is not a crappy job. That sounds so nice to me, actually. <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I get it. But, you know, yeah. like a job that isn't your passion, that's just paying the bills. But, you know, you need that job. It, there's nothing wrong with doing a job that you need to do to pay your bills. But then shoot. And I know that some people it's like, okay, shoot your friends and family. But I always think instead of shooting your friends and family, ask your friends and family if they have any buddy who's an artist or like say you want to be if you want to shoot fashion anybody who wants to be a model get them in front of the camera work with people you don't know learn how to see people learn how to interact with them be awkward in that first engagement if it's your friends and family I mean unless you're just learning the camera which is great but if you're past that point now you're at the point where you can become a professional and make a living from it but people just need to know who you are you need to know how to interact with strangers you need to know how to become intimate with strangers instantly and again you know that people scare the hell out of me, not going to parties, having Andrew do my press for me, not knowing how to speak my first language of Spanish when I'm doing a huge exhibition with the, and there's Spanish media there and television, having the translator, all that stuff. I am mortified. But when you have that camera and you have to, you have to be able to connect with someone. So if you have a stranger, that helps. It does. That's great. Thanks, Miriam. This has been amazing. (laughs) You owe me. <laughs> this was torture, yes. but you made <laughs> I do love you. Anytime. Whatever you need, anytime. I love you too, and it's great. You're amazing, and you're an amazing artist, and it's the same thing. I feel it talking with you, and I think you do the same thing with the people you work with. You make nervous artists feel comfortable, and that's, that's a rare gift. So thank you. <laughs>